Hello, everyone, and welcome to Disney WTF, brought to you by The Walt Daily. This is episode 46, and for those that don't know us by now, we are a Disney couple. One of us is a Disney fanatic, one of us is not, but somehow we've made a way to make this relationship work. Yeah. Fourth anniversary. Fourth anniversary of... Happy anniversary. Oh, yeah. It's, we've been together for four years now. <laughs> and, a, and two days. Yeah, there you go. Anywho, special... We have special guests with us today. We certainly do. They are my brother, Matthew, and my sister-in-law, Michelle. Hey, guys. Welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having us back. <laughs> I thought we lost Sorry, we can't be there in person this time. I know. Our, our plan was originally to do an in-person recording at Sunroom Studios, but the timing did not work out, but that is okay because... This is going to be a great episode nonetheless, and I'm super, super duper excited about today's topic. Yes. But first, will we do headlines? Okay. Headlines. Okay. So first headline, and I'm so glad we got we have extra Disney pr- people here today. Okay. The big news is the purple wall is getting a refurbishment. Interesting. Rip. Yes. So it is getting repainted. And there's going to be some sort of a design that ha- that's already been sketched out onto the wall, and it's it's going to be it's probably going to look totally different. Hmm. It's going to be purple with design. Interesting. It's like I wonder if it's going to be like graffiti, kind of like how like all the artsy stuff is like a thing now. Mm. Maybe you think about that. You guys think about that. I don't think it will well, be. What I also read apparently is that. The purple wall was created by painting the wall, you know, a deeper purple, and it was just years and years of sun bleaching. Interesting. And they're using the original purple, so the purple wall Ooh. probably won't be back for a while. Then that's interesting. It's going to be a royal purple, maybe. Solid insight right there. Yeah, very fascinating. What do you guys think of the design? Like the fact that they're going to put like design on it instead of just purple. I mean, if you've been to the purple wall once, now you got to come back. <laughs> Those evil geniuses. <laughs> so I can't really, I can't really talk because you know, like, I only, I only discovered that the purple wall was a thing really recently. Me and, too. And Laurie, <laughs> Laurie can attest to the fact that I've, I, we've walked by that purple wall many times, not thinking it was just a wall. We didn't know it was Insta famous this whole time. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. Like until I joined Instagram, I didn't even know a purple wall or the bubblegum wall or the toothpaste wall was a thing. I'm calling myself out there, but yeah. I mean, especially the purple wall because it's super unassuming. It's just like literally an old purple wall that's been there since the seventies. Yeah, I think I think that's the allure of it. But I just I don't get why they're repainting it after they even started dropping merchandise about the purple wall. I know. Someone sounds upset. So they can sell more merchandise. I know. It's definitely going to be like an opportunity to sell more merchandise. 100%, right? (laughs) All right. Okay. Next headline. And Matt and Michelle, I definitely want to get you guys' opinions on this. So I read online that there's a petition now to get Meryl Streep to step into the role of Princess Leia after the passing of Carrie Fisher. What do you guys think of that? Well, I mean, it's just rumor. Yes. It's just a petition. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's just a petition. I mean, you know, as as rumors go, I've seen, you know, on the forums, on Facebook, things that point to, you know, Meryl Streep potentially stepping in. And I've also seen the contrary where on the uh, the Star Wars forums saying that that it's absolutely not true, the rumor is false. Um, Personally, I mean, 
no, I mean, no offense to Meryl Streep, but there's only there was only there's only one Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. There's only one Princess Leia. So I, I feel like the the writers for Episode Nine they have to uh, you know figure out a, a plot line in which you know Leia is not no longer present or. You know, or do the amazing CGI that they did, you know, for Grand Moff Tarkin and Leia back in Rogue One. Um, so that's just my overall opinion. I don't think I think it's kind of in the same vein as like you know trying to replace Mark Hamill with somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you, you can't do it. There's only one Mark Hamill. There's only one <laughs> Carrie Fisher. You can't do it. That's funny. <laughs> can't do it. I I, I think that I, I I fear that if they put Meryl Streep in that role, that they'll get as they'll get so much backlash and um, as much backlash as they got for the Last Jedi which I, I thoroughly enjoyed, despite what the fans say. <laughs> which I thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> well, that's that's an interesting opinion. I mean, I totally get where you're coming from, even as, like, not the biggest, you know, Star Wars follower necessarily. Like, it it's just strange because, you know, in your mind, you know that something's wrong. Even if somebody does step into the role, you're just like, wait a second, something is off. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. because of Meryl Streep. And yet she still got an Academy Award for it. How? But, you know, that's Meryl Streep. But- you know, I gotta tell you, like, I don't know if you guys saw Rogue One, but you know, me and Michelle were when we saw the uh, CGI for Grand Moff Tarkin and and Princess Leia in Rogue One, we were we were blown away. I was thoroughly confused. I was just like, did they find somebody else to play him? Is he like even still alive? Yeah, when Grand Moff Tarkin came out on the screen, you know, and he had, he had you know, rest in peace. He had been dead for m- many years. The actor who portrays him. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle, when we were watching the movie, she comes, she whispers in my ear, didn't he die? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, that's just, that's a testament to like the technology and how far we've come with CGI from Jurassic Park. Although I did see Jurassic Park the other day and the dinosaurs still look real. True story. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, it'll be cool to see what happens. I mean, with, with that, you know, the, the new stories that come out and if they do happen to replace the characters, maybe they are just going to do some CGI action, which... I mean, in this day and age, like, is just as good as the real thing. Yeah. So. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Last headline. So, as we all know, Toy Story Land is opening June 30th in Hollywood Studios. However. I know. Super exciting. However, there will be some remodeling happening around Toy Story Mania. So much so that the Fast Pass line will be closed for about a month. For Toy Story Mania, and it will only be standby. I can't remember the last time I actually rode Toy Story Mania, to be honest. Same as these. What was we the last time like you? Uh-huh. Six months ago, maybe. I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah, and you guys live in Orlando, so it's like, you know, you go to Disney a lot, <laughs> and it's still been well, six months. Well, you can't months. get fast passes for it. There's never any fast passes for it. And popular. Living in Orlando, we essentially refuse to stand by for anything that's more than 30 to 45 minutes. We'll just come back and do it another day. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Richie, it is super popular. Um, fast passes are a must because the wait lines there, the wait times are always, you know, crazy. I don't, ever, I don't think I've ever ridden that thing. Yeah. Well, the wait times have gotten better since they added the third track. Well, the, and partially the reason, I guess, to, you know, speaking to what Michelle was saying, like, we don't ride it because we can't get fast passes for it because mm-hmm. I don't make them, nor do we go to Hollywood Studios. <laughs> so. Yeah, you guys got to change that. I know. <laughs> we are going to go to Hollywood Studios, I think, on an upcoming trip. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so much going on, though, in other parks. Food and, uh, not food and wine, yeah. Flower and Garden, the 20th anniversary of Animal Kingdom. Yeah. Well. I saw videos of the new Toy Story thing on Facebook, which was cool. Toy Story Land? Toy Story Land. 
Did you watch them independently? No, like I was I was feeding, I was like uh, scrolling through and it popped up. I was like, oh, look at that. And I just kept going. Oh, so you didn't stop and watch? <laughs> no, I didn't stop and watch. Oh, on liquor delays. Because okay. I know we're going to go, so I don't want to ruin it or anything. Oh, but what if it's like Pandora and we just, we go, but we don't go? No, that's fine. Same thing with Pandora. I didn't look, I haven't looked at anything, even though like it's been like a year. Well, to put it in perspective, actually, because you experienced Pandora close to opening, Toy Story Midway Mania, which is the main ride right now, um, that's open in Hollywood Studios for Toy Story. It was like the Flight of Passage where you had to wait hours wow. to get on. That's crazy. So. Anywho. Anywho. All right. Yeah. Let's transition. Let's transition out of headlines because today's episode is going to be super fun. Yes. And super interesting. We're going to discuss must-dos for Disney first-timers. Yes. And I think everybody kind of has what their, their own likes about the parks are, so maybe our must-dos for first-timers are all going to be different. We have not discussed what our answers are. So everything you hear is going to be off the cuff, and it's going to be maybe some overlap, because who knows? Yes. All right. But first, Matt and Michelle, I want to start here. When you picture a first-timer that you're going to decide things to do for, who are you picturing? Richie. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. I, I picture the person that, for instance, I was at I was at Magic Kingdom yesterday, and some you know I was by myself just doing a solo a solo tour yesterday, and I picture the person who calls the haunted mansion the haunted house. <laughs> Solid. All right. Yeah, that, that's the person I have in my mind. I do feel like every time I go to Disney, I'm like a first timer again. Is that weird? Maybe because you do new things every time. I just feel like because every time I go, I'm just like there's just still so much that I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I still don't know how to get places when we walk into Magic Kingdom. Like, mm-hmm. I know where I'm at, you know, but like, when I'm like, all right, let's go here. I'm like, hmm, how do we get there? That's because Richie only wants to go to the Hublon these days. So he just stops at Main Street and yeah. just sits. Sure. I mean, I can't blame him. That's over just a, a, it's a, you know, you just get a dull whip. You you find a spot on the Hublon, Hublon you enjoy your dull whip on the lawn. Yeah. I know. That's, you know what? That would make a great t shirt, dull whip on the lawn or a band name. Okay. But anyways. Copyright. <laughs> Copyright. 2018, Disney WTF. So, because I, I, I go back and forth, because when I was trying to picture, like, a Disney first-timer, I was also picturing an adult. So nobody pictured, like, a family with kids. Like We don't have any experience planning for a family with kids yet. We kind of do. We went on one family trip with two toddlers. An infant and, and you toddler. sat on the hub lawn. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is what we did all day was sit on the hub lawn. So <laughs> Richie has the right idea then. Yeah. All right. So how many days do you think that a first timer should spend at Walt Disney World? Realistically, because really there's no end to the limit. There's no limit probably. And you could still not see everything, but a realistic time frame. What are you guys thinking? Three to seven. Three to seven days? Yeah. Okay. Depending on your like... I don't know, depending on your situation. Like, because I feel like the the more people you you might be, the more days you might need. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But, yep. like, if it's just, like, a couple, like, two people, three to four days might be enough. True. I like where you're yep. coming from. All right. That's smart. Matt, Michelle? I feel like four to seven, you know, four at, like, the bare minimum. Because mm-hmm. even though we kind of have some half-day parks, you still want to throw some Disney Springs in there or maybe some water parks and then just... Like Richie was saying, depending on your situation, maybe you go and repeat some parks and you extend it out for that full week. And I feel like families, 
or even people take vacations in a week format. We're not British. We don't take fortnights and go for two weeks. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> I wonder if people do that. Like they spend weeks at a time at Disney. Oh, 100%. You think so? Oh, 100%. That Not even thinking. I, I'm pretty sure I've heard overheard. Like that's why they sell 10 day tickets and 14 day tickets. They sell those. Yeah. I did not know. Think that. of all the overnight parking fees. I know. <laughs> that's like the cost of like a week at the Grand Floridian and overnight parking fees. <laughs> but those 10 day tickets, you have to use them all consecutively, or are they selling 10 day tickets where you can come back and um, like come come back? Well, Later. as I kind of discussed this on our last episode, so before tickets used to not have, like you could buy a no expiration option, but now tickets do expire within 14 days of using them. Oh, snap. Yeah. That's crazy. That's relatively new in the past couple of years. So yeah. I'm curious to see how those sales happen, like how those sales do to see if like people are actually staying there for that amount of time. Yeah. With, you know, like 10, 14 days at a time. I mean, hopefully if you're staying for 14 days by that point, your, your date, your, like per day is only 20 bucks. Like maybe that'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> it's like cost effective if you're going to be there for that long, but I'm just wondering like who's going to be there for that long. Well, at some point it's going to breach probably like, and it, you know, it's, you might as well just get the annual pass because you're staying there for a certain date, like a certain amount of days, which I think is what happens. Yeah. But anyways, okay, Matt, how long do you think a first timer should stay? The number that immediately came to my mind when you posed that question was four mm -hmm. days on average. Um, I, you know, Disney World, I think to see it all can be very overwhelming. So I think it kind of depends also on the demographic of the, the first timer. Is this a is this a family of four? You know, your kind of nuclear family, mom, dad, and, and you know, Luke and Leia. Are they are they coming? <laughs> you know, Michelle Hintent. Um, Me too. Or is it, you know, is it a bunch of, you know, old college friends getting back together, you know, getting the band back together and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, just hitting a few attractions here and there, but also spending some time by the pool um, or hitting up Disney Springs and maybe hitting a couple of restaurants or even, you know, and enjoying some nighttime life on, at the boardwalk, going to the dance hall or Trader Sam's at the Polynesian. So I, I, I think, you know, kind of four days is kind of like maybe your average time frame, mm -hmm. you know, to kind of see and do a little bit of everything. Um, but you know, certainly there are those families out there who extend their trips to even a week, sometimes 10 days, um, you know, for their trip. Cause oftentimes we, you know, the, the, the visit to Disney is, you know, it's not usually the, the locals, you got an annual pass, but it's usually that, uh, that family who's taken their, you know, biannual or annual trip to Disney world. And they want to, you know, get, uh, do a fairly long trip cause they don't come all that often. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely kind of in the range where you guys were, like, four to seven days. Um, and the reason, four to me doesn't sound like enough, but at the same time, for a Disney first-timer, seven days might be too long, and they might not, I don't want to say appreciate it as much, but maybe they're going to get so tired by the end of the trip because there's so much to do that it just won't be worth that extra expense if you're not going to as enjoy it as much on day seven as you did on day four because mm -hmm. your trip was just too long. Plus, you have to take into consideration, too, like, especially depending on the day you go, that's miles of walking in the sun. Yeah. You know, like, Solid and point. at some point, like, you, even if you might still think, like, it's fun, you haven't seen it all, like, the exhaustion and the tiredness, like, I think would eventually catch up, and then you start missing home, then you kind of, you feel like you're on vacation, you want to relax. Mm -hmm. So, I think, like, all, like, those types of things, too, will, will start to, like, have a factor on more than four days. Yeah, 
And I mean, yeah, I think, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, I, I, for you know, those those families who stay for that extended period of time, that seven to ten day trip, um, they probably do sprinkle in that one day where they kind of just take a, a low key day where they just stay at the hotel and kind of recuperate and recharge the batteries because. You know, a, a full day at Magic Kingdom from, you know, 8 to midnight, if there's extra magic hours, trying to see it all, it, it can get exhausting, you know. and you know, <laughs> And families want to, you know, do some relaxing on their vacation because after all, it is, you know, vacation. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's crazy because, like, we as Disney, you know, lifetime Disney goers, we haven't seen it all. So to expect somebody to do that in four days, it's not realistic. But I guess that's kind of why we're here, like must-dos. Yeah. Because you know you're not going to have all those, those be able to do it all. So let's transition out of that. And I think we're going to kind of... (laughs) Today's word of the day is transition. Oh, have I used it a lot? You've used it four times Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) It was was on my word of the day toilet paper. I'm just kidding. So... (laughs) I think we're going to kind of answer my next question as we go along. So we don't really have to go over it too, too much right now. But in terms of, I think what I want everybody to keep in the back of their minds is where are we distributing our time? Because Walt Disney World is huge. There's so much to do. You know, there's so much to do on, if you're staying at on property, at, just at your resort alone, there's four parks, you know, and, and really a couple of them could warrant more than one day. So... Yeah, we'll just keep that in the back of our mind. Maybe we'll come back around that to at the end of, of our list. So let's start with uh, Michelle. What do you think your first must-do for a Disney first-timer is? Signature dining. Okay. Because, like, there's so much quick-service food, and it's a lot of it is awesome. But at the same time, there's so many amazing table-service restaurants that just pick one that has like a cult following and go there. How do you find that? Like, how do you know what signature dining? I mean, how many places in the world can you sit in a castle and be surrounded by princesses while you eat your food? Yeah, but how does the first timer find what's what's a signature dining experience? Like, how do they know the difference? This is like, like, if I'm I mean, going, Disney I'm not gonna know which one. ways that they can help you. They have vacation planners and like, I have this phone number ingrained in my brain, 407-WDW-DINE, and they are so helpful. Oh, okay. So you just they call that number. Think, <laughs> I'm yeah. looking for a secret okay, training. There you go. There you go. That's and what they're so, okay. like, they are there to, like, give you suggestions, like, okay, this is what I'm doing, or this is where I'll be. What do you guys recommend? Or what's, like, a very popular thing to do? Nice. Mm-hmm. So let's get that phone number one more time. What was it? <laughs> it's 407-WDW-DINE. There you go. Nice. Thanks for that. That's a gem right there. <laughs> Perfect. And it's so easy to remember. It is. I, well, you know, I think I did know it at one point and I just like happened to forget because I hate making reservations. I just like to, I just want to be free. We want to do everything on MDE now, but there's certain places on property that you can't use MDE for and you have to call. Which is my Disney experience, oh, Richie. Okay. What is <laughs> His MDE? eyes were like, like, what? What is this? <laughs> Okay. Okay, cool. That's a good suggestion. Um, now, Matt, what do you think your must-do would be? Now, I, I gotta, I gotta say first, you know, my wife, my wife caught me off guard with saying signature dining. Um, <laughs> I fully expected her to say some, some attraction, but because um, I think that's what we typically think of when we think of must-dos at Disney is that everyone kind of harps on attractions. And mm-hmm. well, I figured everyone would harp on attractions. That's why I went with dining. Um, Smart. 
so smart. You're no ordinary princess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Is that a line from Star Wars? No. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It. it sounds like it would be. Anyways. <laughs> but um, anywho, you know, I, you can. There's. I'm gonna take the uh, traditional, you know, Stacy Resort TV top seven must do route and pick an attraction. Um, so I think my uh, my pick would probably have to be the uh, the haunted mansion. Mm. Surprise, surprise! Yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> I could have, I could have told you that. You know, that, that, that was going to be his nuts. number one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of, I kind of flirted also with the Tower of Terror, you know, as a must-do, just in terms of just theming, uh, you know, kind of transporting you to a different t- time and place, and also the tra- the attraction in of itself. Um, and I also thought about uh, pirates as well, mm-hmm. um, but I, I wanted to pick an attraction that's, uh, you know, that is classic. And it's got a lot of it's, you know, got a lot of history involved, and I think the haunted mansion does just just that. Um, family fun for everybody. I mean, it's I think. scary. <laughs> I cried the first time I rode haunted mansion, and I was twenty-one. A fear. <laughs> there you go. A fear or like emotionally happy. Um, I was doing a cast exclusive activity and there was some behind the scenes like storytelling where they like kind of gave the backstory behind the attic room. And I and Matt just found this out recently. I was not a Disney file until I actually started working for the parks and I had just never been on Haunted Mansion, had no interest in it, didn't know what it was, figured it was just some like haunted house and I don't like jump scares. And... We were in the stretch room and I had no idea what was going on. And the voice, you know, it travels and somebody in our group decided it would be a great time to give me a jump scare after hearing these stories. And I lost it. Nice. <laughs> Good times. Well, see, that's the thing, because I think, you know, beginning to, beginning to end, you know, it's an attraction of itself. Even the queue, I believe, is an attraction of itself. Yeah, totally agree. Especially now that it's more interactive and it's not just you know, walking under a tent and hanging mm-hmm. out. <laughs> I think even that approach, you're just still trying, you, you see the you, the outside facade and, you know, all too often you hear you're in the queue line and you hear kids kind of freaking out, you know, and you have the t- typical parent reassuring their child, like, it's not scary, it's not scary. <laughs> you know, it's until fun, they're, it's they're, not scary. It's fun, it's fun, it's fun. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, still some of those tricks, those kind of, uh, you know, parlor tricks that they use to create the effects, they still hold true to this day, even after, um, you know, 40 plus years of being in existence. I, they still hold up pretty dang well, in my opinion. Yeah, concur. Agreed. Yeah. You know, I went to, and I went to Magic Kingdom yesterday. I, you know, I, all I did was I walked around. I visited Michelle at uh, at Market in Fantasyland. I had Columbia Harbor House and I rode Haunted Mansion. That was basically my day yesterday. So, even after all these years, I still go back to Haunted Mansion if I still have to do one attraction inside the park. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's definitely to your point that if if Mansion is a must-do for a seasoned person like you, then it's got to be a must-do for a first-timer. Yeah, Absolutely. I wish that they would bring Haunted Mansion Holiday over to uh, um, the Orlando Haunted Mansion from Disneyland. Which... I I I saw the so is that the Nightmare Before Christmas version like specifically? That's right. Okay, so then yeah. just making sure because you know just making sure. So I yeah. rode that when we were in Tokyo Disneyland for the first time. It was 
Richie really enjoyed that one, actually. Yeah, it was one of my favorites. Easily. Easily? Yeah. It was it was super entertaining. It wasn't like The Haunted Mansion. Like, it was completely different. It was completely different. Well, yeah, it was. Because it was a movie, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, my must-do is kind of like in the same vein, which, Michelle, you're, you're so you're unique so far on the list, but my must-do is in the same vein as Matthew, where, like, I, I specifically said, ride the classics. Mm-hmm. So just generally. Oh, you can't do that. Why? You got to pick something. You can't just say ride the classics. Why not? That's just not, that's not how this, I think, goes. That's like go to Disney. <laughs> I like, don't think <laughs> that you know what the classics are. Specifically. Specifically ride the classics. So the ones I put on my list, they're all at Magic Kingdom, actually. Pirates, Mansion, Space Mountain, and Carousel Progress. Okay. The classics. And these all, Walt had like a, like a hand in. Okay. So I think that's important to, you know, the problem is like, they're fun, but they have they do have that history element. But I don't know if that would be like so fun for a first timer. If you, you know. Yeah. I just, I'm just saying, like, you got to be more specific. Okay, well, I told you all the rights. It's a must-do, not must-do's for this first round. So you can't just, it's like saying ride rides. Go ride the good rides. You you basically just told the first-timer, hey, first-timer, go ride all the good rides. You're not going to like my second (laughs) one, then. (laughs) So, all right. You want a really good must-do? Sure, go ahead. Watch the fireworks at Magic Kingdom. Which ones? The the ones at night with the castle. <laughs> okay, because they do have fireworks <laughs> during the day on the stage yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's only the ones at night, the night ones. Okay, so happily ever after. Super, super captivating. Yeah, they the are pretty timer. captivating. Did you cry? I did not cry, but I witnessed other grown men cry, which is when I found out how captivating it was. <laughs> Matthews cried. I can see I can see how like someone that's into Disney, whether you're a man or a woman, can cry at that thing. It's super moving. Yeah, it's I want to call. I got to qualify her because I, I did not cry at happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> I cried at fantastic. Here. If you're gonna insult me, get it right. <laughs> I'm not by the way, first timer she told she told you fantastic. Just throwing it out there. Just sticking that little uh, nugget of information in. Bonus. <laughs> I know this is the problem with lists is that there's always bonuses, which is why I'm doing blankets. Yeah. So that way I don't have bonuses. No, we need to give them legitimate tactics. We can't, you can't like confuse them. Like they said, I must do all this stuff. No, you got to give them specifics. All right, fine. So, okay. I like it. So fireworks at magic kingdom and then phantasmic as well. Yes. So nighttime shows, there you go. do them all. Okay. Nighttime shows, do them all. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, see, like, <laughs> yeah. This is the worst. This is the worst. Most do list. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, let's press on Michelle. What's on your, what's your second one on your must do's? Oh, I've been toiling that since you guys came back around and now I'm not ready. <laughs> okay, that's okay. Matthew, what's your second one on your must-dos? <laughs> so my second one on my must-dos um, uh, is, is going to be, uh, you know, it's kind of now, it used to be a, a any ticket, it's still an e-ticket attraction, but it's kind of taken a step back. And I'm talking about uh, an, uh, an Animal Kingdom Expedition Everest as a yeah. must-do. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, you know, ever since, you know, before Pandora opened, you know, Expedition Everest was kind of your, you know, your rope drop, got to rush to it, either get your, uh, use your first morning fast pass on it or, you know, get there, you know, rush to it after rope drop and just get in the standby line in, in hopes of riding it multiple times. Um, but you want to talk about an attraction that kind of will appeal to 
all age demographics. You know, certainly it's got that thrill level, but it's not the thrill level to like a rock and roller coaster where it has inversions. You don't have the initial initial launch, but you know, it still packs a punch in, in terms of the thrill department. Um, and you want to talk about an attraction that has, you know, just truly a feat of imagineering. Oh, I would say so. Yeah. Um, 100%. You know, we, you, you know, any Disney fanatic knows about, you know, they hear stories about Joe Rohde actually going to Nepal and uh, doing research and bringing back artifacts to incorporate into the queue line. And, you know, when you're in that queue line, boy, I tell you what, you you feel like you're in Nepal and you're in this uh, in this village um, and then you're, you know, and you see all the little the, uh, the Yeti artifacts, you know, not limited to the, the Yeti scat, which I'm sure they went through great lengths to for authenticity on that one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've. I think that Expedition, like everything that you said about Expedition Everest, which, by the way, Richie, so Matthew's being super specific. I know that thrills you. Yes, Um, Yes, it does. (laughs) It definitely has that appeal for so many different types of groups. And something that will bring a Disney person back is that theming that, you know, starts way, way out, you know, when you first enter in the, the Asia land of Animal Kingdom. Like that's where the theming for the ride starts. And then it just like sinks you right in to it. Mm-hmm. So 100%. I'm going to take that one as a must do too on my bonus list. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, Michelle, what do you got? Okay. It's another kind of out of the box type of thing. We like that. Um, yeah, because I mean, you guys are going to name all the hard hitter attractions. So I want to make sure that some like low key things that I think people need to do get out there. And I think Richie would appreciate this one as well even though it's not entirely specific. But the must-do for me is take your time and take in everything that's not an attraction. So, for example, like your day at Hollywood Studios, a lot of people see it now as a half-day park. But there's so many, like, little nuances that Disney puts out there. Like, go ahead, go watch the March of the First Order or look around for the citizens of Hollywood and see what kind of shenanigans they're getting into today. Or even in Main Street, like stop and listen to the Dapper Dance for a little bit. You know, it doesn't always need to be hustle and bustle, like, oh my God, we have this fast pass or we need to be first in line for Space Mountain so we don't have to wait for it. Like, just take in the little things that never have a line. True. (laughs) So a specific I'd like to point out there was the March of the First Order. That's where the troops are in the suits. Right yeah. with Darth Vader. Yes. Okay, that's a, that's a must do. Yeah. That's my bonus. It's I haven't even seen that thing, but I've seen it on Instagram. It looks awesome. <laughs> so there's a bonus, or is it just your number two? <laughs> no, it's a bonus. I already have my number two. That's very specific. Anyways, that's coming next. Okay, Matthew, what were you saying? Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, so I was going to say, I just, I just, I would like to just, uh, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of my wife's uh, suggestion about uh, kind of those other little things that. You know they, that make the Disney parks, you know, kind of set, set stand out from the rest of the pack. Um, and you know, a lot of these that she listed, you know, whether it's the Citizens of Hollywood or um, the March of the First Order, those are things that don't work. Don't you don't have to wait in line for, but they're just as entertaining. Um, I've seen the March of the First Order multiple times, and it's still awesome every time I watch it. Nice. Yeah. Especially, and I also like at Hollywood Studios. Like it's one of those parks where if you, if you like really walk around and. You know, take in kind of like the little details. For instance, uh, if you look above Hollywood and Vine, you can see uh, Eddie Valiant's office with a uh, 
um, kind of a uh, cutout of the Roger Rabbit's um, silhouette for any of those Roger Rabbit fans that didn't know about that. And uh, if you go to Backlot Express, um, there's tons of kind of behind the scenes photos and uh, movie memorabilia as well. That you know, that's something that are kind of like little nuggets of uh, of fun that are you know you don't have to wait in line for, which I think are still just as cool. Yeah, like just as entertaining even because you never get to see it. Correct. Okay, cool. So my third, sec- second, we're number two. Richie's not going <laughs> to like it. So my first one was Ride the Classics. My second one is Eat the Classics. But the only ones I said, the only ones I put on my specific list were the popcorn and a Mickey premium and a Dole Whip. Okay. <laughs> so eat all the f- good stuff. <laughs> no, that's pretty specific though, I guess. I mean, I think that just, you know, part of the fun of going on vacation is discovering foods. And, you know, if you have no dietary restrictions, then why not just go go ham and eat eat whatever you want yeah and i think that for for to know foods as iconic as the mickey premium and the dole whip to say that you've actually eaten them i think that's pretty cool mm-hmm. and that's a pretty cool stamp on your you know your disney passport that you've got Lori, i'm a little disappointed uh-huh. <laughs> why after spending approximately seven hours yesterday dishing out turkey legs i am a little heartbroken that that did not make your list to have a turkey leg. <laughs> Can I put it on my list? No. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I definitely... I should have put it on my list. I have so many regrets right now. You know what, though? At least with the turkey leg, I feel like maybe maybe it's because I'm more of like the... It's not that I'm not a meat eater, but maybe the, like I prefer like the sweets and the snacks. And whereas like a turkey leg is like... Yes, it's, like, it's definitely an icon, obviously. Mm-hmm. But maybe, like, if I were to choose, like, a turkey leg or a Mickey premium, I'd go the Mickey premium route or the Dole Whip route. So This is true. <laughs> okay, how about an actual specific must-do? Okay. So I'll tell you my <laughs> second one. Okay, go ahead. Test track. Mm, good Legitimate must-do in Epcot. Okay. It's amazing. Because it's, it's thrilling? It's an amazing experience. It's thrilling. It's, like, interactive. You can do it with friends. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do it. <laughs> there you go. Or you can do it solo. Or you like, can do it alone. You know? uh, yeah, test track. Well, you know what? Like, So on one of our recent episodes, we talked about Disney thrill rides. This is what you kind of boil down to as your favorite thrill ride because of how fast it is and because you like cars. That's 100% correct. Yeah. So I think that's a good one. I think that I kind of went over before. Like the, They've recent, not recently at this point, but they've re-themed it from the original version. Mm-hmm. And I kind of liked the original version because it was more like crash test dummies type of things, and now it's just like psychedelic and Tronish. Yeah. Which is okay. Yeah. But still. So Michelle, what is your final must-do? I finally have an attraction for you. Nice. In- interesting. Let's do it. <laughs> and it's one of my like secret favorites, I guess. Well, Matt's realizing it's one of my favorites, but for some reason, for the longest time, he thought I hated it but I guess it's because I'm really particular about when I write it because I can't write it when it's cold or usually at night. Intriguing. And it, would ha- and it is a good old zippity doo da splashy mountain. Ooh, that's a good one. That's okay. a water ride? It's a water ride. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, if it's not, that's just the, it's the worst name ever. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> the whole time you're in line, 
there's just like so much anticipation and like the line i think the queue is really cute cool even though it's not one of the like interactive or like heavily themed lines i still think it's relatively cool and then you know you get in your log and like the first thing you do is you look down you're like ooh, this one's really wet and then you get (laughs) it and you you put your lap bar down and you're just like immediately into it yeah yeah and i think that you know what i kind of like just thinking about cues in general especially the cues ready to get on like a thrill ride i think it makes it that much more thrilling because it's like it's like opening christmas presents you know you see all the presents under the tree like ooh, what's in them and then the night it finally happens it's like yes Mm -hmm. i did get my nano blocks that i wanted yeah so yeah I, I definitely agree. Although I haven't ridden Splash Mountain in a really long time, I definitely agree with you that first-timers must must do it. All right, Matt, what is your final must-do? So for my, fi- my final must-do, I'm going to go to Epcot. Um, you know, Epcot, still great park. Um, and obviously, everyone kind of knows Epcot for, you know, the, synonymous with the one thing, the golf ball, as... I would say that the first timer is probably going to call it the big golf ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but us kind of Disney fanatics, we know it as Spaceship Earth. And um, so that's going to be my my final must do is Spaceship Earth. Um, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, it's not just this geodesic sphere structure that just kind of sits there and gets a tan every day. But there, <laughs> it's, there is attraction inside of it. Gets a tan. <laughs> And although this attraction has gone through kind of a, um, you know, the facade remains the same, but uh, in the in, in the internal attraction has gone undergone some um, a few changes over the years. But um, at its core, it's still a classic attraction that has been there since 1982. It's an, it was an opening day attraction, and uh, certainly I think it still uh, holds up to this day. You know, going through you know. Uh, uh, the history of communication and how we've learned to connect as a people, um, and which I think kind of goes along with the overarching theme as of Epcot, which is kind of we're all um, one people and we all we all share this earth together. And Spaceship Earth kind of delves into a communication and how we, you know, although we're, we have many different cultures, but we're still able to communicate and connect with one another across the world. I like it. I also like how someone is, you know, there's, I think there's a company out there that has managed to um, take the Rome burning smell and turn it into a candle scent. Shout out to whoever you are out there. <laughs> I went pretty deep. I went way deeper than I thought you were going to go with that. <laughs> what, you thought it was just going to be Ride Spaceship Earth? Yeah. No. Solid. Because it's the message. Yeah. Which has escaped Richie up until just now. A little bit. I, I got it a little bit, you know, like when I first wrote, wrote it. Well, a couple of weeks ago at... At our mom's house, I smelled the Rome burning smell outside, and I was like, "Wow, this smells dangerous, but great." Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was on a chilly night. Maybe they had a fireplace in Florida. And you know, Epcot is kind of you know, I think it's kind of in a transition period a little bit. I feel like you know, um, we saw Universe of Energy hashtag Ellen's Energy Adventure kind of uh, it's no longer with us, and I definitely think Future World is kind of uh, in, in, in an area of a flux right now. Um, interventions, it really isn't true interventions anymore. Um, but uh, I hope that Spaceship Earth is going to be one of those attractions that kind of stands the test of time and it will still kind of be that gateway, that doorway to the past and um, not only literally but also figuratively as like kind of just remaining as 
at remaining as the, an opening day attraction that still stands the test of time. Yeah, I agree. Even though, you know, despite refurbishments, as long as it's there, I think that that makes a big statement as well. Yeah. All right. So my final must-do... I'm on the fence because I had two. My final must-do is spend time on Main Street. Okay, cool. That's a solid specific. Okay, gosh. <laughs> so much judgment, Richie. Solid specific. And I think that... You know, spending time on Main Street, it's its literally walking in the footsteps of Walt, where the whole, where Disney parks in general kind of started from. You know, you have, you have the ambiance, the music, the entertainment, you have the hidden gems in the windows with that, that, that are dedicated to the Disney legends. You have the food, so, so much food available on Main Street, including the confectionery, um, where you can get a, sh- a treat. You can see there's so much more to do on Main Street, I feel like, than people realize because there's no specific rides at all. But you can sit down, you can people watch, you can watch a parade, you can watch a dance party at this point, you know, and you can participate in all of this. And, you know, it's at the same time kind of still having that, the the main goal of what Walt wanted, which is creating an environment where adults and kids can both have a great time. And that's all the vibes that you get from Main Street USA. Cool. Specific. Yeah, I agree. And I think, uh, you know, I think Main Street in of itself is a hidden gem. Um, I don't think a lot of people, uh, a lot of first timers probably take the time to really appreciate what's going on Main Street. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people take their time and just kind of use it for just awesome selfies for the castle. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing. Certainly, you know, getting a, a selfie on Main Street in front of the castle is certainly a, uh, a memory that you're going to want to cherish. But, you know, I think, you know, taking the Lou Mangiello um, approach to Main Street, look up, look at the, the windows on Main Street, on Main Street, which are a hidden gem. Um, you can see a lot of famous names and a lot of, a lot of uh, Imagineers who are no longer with us, but who were an inter- integ- had an integral part of, of um, what you see before you when you're on Main Street. Yeah, 100%. 100% all of that. Um, yeah, so that's my final one. Now, let's leave it to Richie. This should be interesting. So rounding off the ultimate to-do list that must I would do. say, must-do list <laughs> that I would say is my... I, like if there was this, this was ever a competition, which I know it's not obviously, but mine would definitely be the best. And I'll tell you why. Is one, it's specific. Okay. Number two is that uh, each of my must dos is in different parks. And with that, the final must do on my list is the raspberry iced tea in Animal Kingdom. Wow. From Tiffins. That is darn specific. Yes, it is, and it's amazing. Go over it. Tell, describe it for us. It's it's a it's a raspberry iced tea in Tiffins, <laughs> in the Animal Kingdom. That's really good, and you can get it in a to-go cup, and we'll, if need be. Well, and, take it to go. and the cool thing know. about this particular raspberry iced tea is that it's it, it it's served with fresh vanilla bean simple syrup as well, so you can sweeten it to your liking. Served over ice. Super refreshing in the Florida hot sun. You get a paper. Sounds refreshing. <laughs> it's oddly refreshing. Oddly refreshing. Uh, so. I like it. Yeah. Well, and just to give you an example of how much Richie appreciates this raspberry iced tea, we had one iced tea to stay 
he bought a second one to go. Duh. That's probably the only way to really do that properly. Is to keep the experience going. Yeah. Even you after. You get one and realize, wow, that was actually really good. I should probably get a second and take it to go while you're out and about and continuing your day. Nice. It's just the only way to do it. Okay. Well. Could get pricey though on your second one. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, it'd be even pricier if you got a third one, so yeah. I'm glad you stopped it, too. Yeah, for now, who knows what it's going to be like next time. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was a fun list. I think that, you know, we we all had different angles on where we wanted to take this. Clearly, some I was better, very generic. Some better than others. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't, that's a jab. <laughs> But I think that this was a nice overall guide to some of the things that people from different perspectives might mm-hmm. like to see. So yes. awesome. I love it. Matt Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you guys. Anytime. Thanks for having us, guys. Hope to be on a future episode in the near future. Yes. Indeed. And for anyone that's tuning in right now, we'd appreciate you to uh, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Definitely make sure to subscribe on YouTube and iTunes. Um, we're on SoundCloud. We are on Google Play. You can find us on Facebook. Definitely connect with us on Facebook. Um, like our page there. Uh, we're posting a bunch of cool articles that I, I'm seeing them pop up in my feed now. I'm like, oh, this is super interesting. But um, yeah, definitely follow us on Facebook. We're on Twitter, Instagram, at the Walt Daily. Oh, sorry. We? We're on iTunes. I said iTunes already. Sorry. <laughs> um, Medium.com. And definitely make sure if you are tuning in, if you have an Alexa uh, device, definitely add us to your flash briefing at the Walt Daily. You get every day, you get some new, interesting, fun facts about Disney. Um, there's like words of the day. What other kind of stuff's on there? Uh, right. Things about rides, history. It's really good, guys. Like, it is super well produced, and uh, it's definitely some content that I would consume on a daily basis, and I'm not even a fanatic. So, no, you're just a, just a regular dude. Yeah. Anyways, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us, spending some time with us. We hope this brings a little bit of magical day. We hope this brings a little bit of magic to your day, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye!